saying that I'm I'm the podcast glue that holds the show together. Would you not say that? Yeah, I would not say that. Oh. Uh, I don't hold anything together. <laughs> I, I, so I was going to say it's very kind of you to imply that I am, but maybe this is not being held together at all. Maybe it's not. Maybe this is this whole thing is just a, an elaborate gag we've been pulling on ourselves for the last few years. Is it so similar to the rec- elaborate gag that they pull on young Corio Snow in order to teach him about the inherent violence of humanity? And by they, you mean her, and by her, you mean Viola Davis, I guess? I guess. I guess it's going to be Viola Davis. What a squad. No, you, you expressed concern that viola davis is playing probably the most evil character in the history of the hunger games i would say that her audition for this role was just her playing amanda waller yeah it is except it's a very different kind of evil from amanda waller amanda waller's evil is so staid and almost quotidian whereas this woman is like a cloud (laughs) she's a cloud uh she is even more of a clown if you listen to it on audiobook where the uh, narrator uh, cackles and giggles his way through through the through the through the character uh, to such a degree that I just had to start rolling my eyes every time it every time he came on and he's not an unfamous narrator but we'll get to him what are we even doing yeah here? what a, like a, I was gonna ask a question that was specific to what you were saying but I've changed my mind what are we talking about? <laughs> Who are we? Why are we here? What's going on? Oh, Help this me. is a podcast. Uh, that, that's what's. Uh, that's who we are. <laughs> we I was are you were collectively say it was a podcast. podcast. No. Uh, yeah, it, this is a podcast called Pizza Toast. Uh, we talk mm-hmm. about YA movie and book adaptations. Uh, yeah. Right now, we're talking about the Hunger Games. We've been talking about the Hunger Games for some time. Took a little bit of a break. We did because we had to fine. get ready for this. Oh, my name's Christy. My name is Phil. And I have been waiting with bated breath to be able to talk about the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, a Hunger Games something. Does it have a subtitle? Uh, It's just a Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. I I don't think it. Yeah, it's not called anything else. It it says a Hunger Game novel by Suzanne Collins, like above her name, but it's in the the tiniest print. Okay. Uh, I hope her uh, name is bigger. Than her if you if you didn't realize it was a Hunger Games novel by looking at the cover, there's something terribly wrong with yeah. you. Because... <laughs> it's a pretty pretty strong aesthetic carrying through. This one's green, right? Right. Uh, we've never discussed the covers of the books. We did, uh, we did a little uh, as far as like what colors they are, but I think that is it. But they are these books are are the the book covers have always been designed uh, by the same. The same illustrator, whose name is suddenly, uh, let me just pull it up here. Um, Tim O'Brien has always done the illustrations. He's a a, a world famous illustrator. He's okay. done like Time Magazine, Rolling Stone, National Geographic. Like his, his you, if you saw his other works, you'd be like, oh, that guy. Like anyone, just just do Tim O'Brien. Google Tim O'Brien, and you'll be like, oh, oh, him. Um, but they brought him back. For this one, uh, fortunately. It's a striking cover. It's like, Uh hey, remember these books that you know and love? Here's one, kind of. Yeah, it's got a songbird. It's got a snake. It's Uh, got three parts. But he he was stuck with the, I guess he couldn't do like, because the other ones had to kind of look like a pin. Yeah. Like like variations on her pin. But this is is Mm pre-pin. Right, because we're like, what like 64 years yeah before the first i think book. it's 64 is the number we nailed down which makes snow 
so much older than I realized. Right. I guess he's, yeah, because he's what, like in his early 20s in this book? Yes. Uh, uh, Coriolanus Snow. Coriolanus Snow. When we meet him, he's 17, 18. He's a... Oh, is he only that old? Yeah. Oh, I guess you're right. in his early 20s by the end of the book because uh, he finishes his senior year. Uh, Their curriculum is to help facilitate the Hunger Games. That's what they do as high school students. Uh, So, yeah, so this is our our prequel novel that... They asked Suzanne, Co- like, so I, I didn't hear much about this book when it came out. That now, could have been to do with when it came out, because I didn't realize that it was right in the throes of yeah. the apocalypse, because this, right. this was released in early, uh, or like the early half of 2020. Right. Well, May 19th, yeah. 2020, like right when we were just realizing that the world was actually coming to an Yeah, uh, we had been told two weeks it had gone longer than two weeks. We're at the two-month yeah, mark. No one was okay anymore. A lot of people were doing jigsaw puzzles. Like, it just a lot was going on. We had we we had already had, at this point, the celebrities seeing Imagine, right? Oh, like had... yeah, we absolutely had. That happened pretty quickly. Yeah. And we were gearing up in, in my city for some, for some intense, intense demonstrations. Yeah, uh, some in mine as... Uh, some in mine too. Uh, yeah. They weren't quite the same. I don't think it was ever quite the same level as yours. But uh, but we were we so we were just realizing we were in it for a long haul and not quite realizing how long that haul was going to be. Probably weren't really paying much attention to what Suzanne Collins is up to because she hadn't been up to much in ten years. No, she doesn't release anything in this window, right? She does. She releases she? one. She releases one children's picture book called Year of the Jungle in 2013, which I haven't been able to read. I only read the beginning of like what samples are available, but it is a children's picture book, like a like a large format storybook about her father, her father going to Vietnam when she was like four or five Ooh. years old, and basically the the uh, trauma that occurs when a parent goes to war and then returns a different person uh-huh. from the perspective of a little child who doesn't understand what war is and just thinks that her dad is going off for a fun adventure in the jungle, which in the book states she only her only frame of reference is that her favorite cartoon is George of the Jungle. Oh. So she's like, this should be... And then like as the year goes on and people start treating her differently and they're like, we're praying for your dad. And she's like, I don't know what this means. And then he comes back and he's like a shell of the man he was. Uh, so that's in, in the interim between uh, between uh, Mockingjay and uh, the, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, Suzanne Collins published one thing and it was literally just another book about the horrors inflicted upon children due to war. And because that's what she does. Sounds kind of great, though. Yeah, it, what I've seen, it's, it looks like a pretty amazing picture book. Um, I'd like to read it, but instead I read this. Said I read yeah. this uh, this book that feels very much like she was asked to write this. <laughs> but according to her interviews, that when people were like, so why this? Why now? She says it's because she was reading about uh, the nature, the state of nature debate from the Enlightenment period. Yes. And that she said, I have two worlds. I have Gregor the Overlander and I have the Hunger Games. And now those are her worlds. And whenever there is a topic she wants to write about, she'll just dip into one of those universes and uh, write about it. Uh, the na- state of nature debate during the Enlightenment, philosophical discussion about the hypothetical condition of human beings pre society so like uh thomas hobbes thought that we were by nature 
uh, solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. That's what life was like before we had society. Locke believed that we enjoyed natural rights uh, of life and liberty and property, but that the government needed to exist to protect uh, those rights and that people have a right to overthrow a government that doesn't protect their rights. And that Rousseau said that nature is in harmony always and that uh, political systems only give rise to social inequality. Quality uh, and a further oppression, something like that. So there's like these three ph philosophical ideas that all sort of juggle what what are people? Do people need strict rules? Are we naturally beasts, or are we naturally good people? Um, and that's this kind is, of this is a telling framework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also dipping into uh, into the veneer theory that we touched on a little yeah, bit in previous yeah. episodes about like if if the rules fall away, do we just become animals again? Uh, our villain in this book certainly believes so. Oh my goodness, it's it's interesting because she is framed as a villain, but by the end of the book, she is of course an ally because he has to become evil over the course of the book. He's not evil at the end of this book. He's just a confused low boy still. Kind of. I mean. She drops enough hints throughout this, like Coriolanus Snow throughout the book falls in love, kind of, but he never thinks of the woman he falls in love with as anything other than property. Also, can you fall in love with someone who is your prisoner and who has no rights? Apparently, apparently that's a thing that you can do and he does do. So the basic, this is the gist of this book is this is more or less the development of what the Hunger Games would become. In a very, in a very Shakespearean love kind of way. And yes. like, hey, you ever wonder where this came from? Well, apparently the Hunger Games as we know all came to be in one year, all because of one guy who fell in love with one girl. And, and uh, devised some traps. Just a couple device. of traps. Periodically said things like, what if we let people bet on the Hunger Games? And hey, you've got some drones. What if they brought people food in the arena? And what if people were allowed to send gifts to food in the uh, food to the arena? And I wonder what this song is about. <laughs> There's a lot of songs in this There's book. There's so many songs in this book. And it also does the thing we talked about this, how like people who write really solid narrative novels are not necessarily poets. Uh, Anne Rice. I mean, I think actually like her son or her husband wrote the poems or the songs for Vampire List or Queen of the Damned. Uh, but those are some of the most egregious song lyrics ever committed to paper. These, <laughs> these are not the worst. They these, also no. fit in the context of the world because, okay, yeah, this this book ends up, it's still about snow, but the one of the main secondary characters is the woman he falls in love with kind of woman, girl. She's a girl. Let's talk about she's a girl yeah she's like yeah. 16 um which is yeah. fine uh hint a character hinted at in the first hunger games book the only person to ever from district 12 ever to win a hunger games is briefly mentioned in the first book uh suzanne collins said that she already knew who this character was when she wrote that but that she's was very like she changed a lot as she wrote this book but yeah. she always kind of knew that there was this there was this spunky spitfire of a of a traveling troubadour <laughs> who was the original winner of the uh, the district 12 winner of the hunger games until uh hamich abernathy yeah. came along yeah um but uh rachel ziegler will be playing her good uh, casting YouTube's, i think youtube's own rachel ziegler i 
Uh, I think she will be good, but I'm sure she'll be good. I'm yeah. sure she'll be fine. She's sweet. She can sing. She has to sing a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, that being said, is... this is a this is a book about young Corio Snow. Oh, Corio! How only his, only his friends get to call him that, Christy. <laughs> how he's kind of poor. <laughs> yeah, because I well, okay. So framework is this is ten years after the 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 rebellion of the districts. It's set in the capital, but the capital was essentially like under siege for yeah. a while. It's kind uh, of ravaged, yeah. It's not yeah, doing very too great. Stalingrad. Um, we've got people who people were starving to death, people were dying in the streets, and people were eating the bodies of those who were dying. Yeah, there's the a there's a nod at cannibalism that comes up like six more times throughout the text. It's not a nod. We see a guy cut the. Arm oh no! Off we of a see teenage, a guy, a child, uh, and take it back to his butcher shop. Yeah, that's okay. We're more than <laughs> that's a not at cannibalism. That's that's cannibalism writ large. <laughs> the the thing we we find out is that uh, this this uh, person meat was taken home to a classmate mm-hmm. of uh, Snow's, and he doesn't know if she knows that she eats people. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah. So they. So while the capitalist still rules over the districts, yeah, they are still reeling from what happened ten years ago. But it also does a. Even though the the districts were in the right to try to overthrow the oppressive capital, you you are left with a somewhat something of understanding of what of how traumatized the capital is at this yeah. point. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I mean we know that they were more or less in the right to try to take this down, but that doesn't mean that people on this side didn't suffer because they definitely did. And there's a much more of a it's like a an unspoken hierarchy. Because you still have the very rich, and then you have people like the Snows, who are faking rich, but certainly not. Yeah, it's like it's like in a checkoff play. Yeah, like, they're still living rich, but they have no money, and food is scarce. His parents, I guess, were fully invested in the in the weapons manufacturing in District Thirteen, uh, which no longer exists. But it also is interesting because. Our, uh, one of our other main characters, uh, Sejanus, uh, Sejanus Plinth, uh, his family's from District 2, and they invested in other things, like other weapons yeah. from another airplace. That, uh, and so now they're rich, and they got moved to the capital, which means there is, or was at least at this point, the possibility of social mobility. Like, mm-hmm. you could, if you had enough money, climb up to the district... Uh, but you were still never going to be respected. I'm going to be honest. I think this book would be a lot more interesting if it were about him. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I think this book would be a lot more interesting if it were divided into several books because <laughs> there is so, so much, much plot happens. in this book. So much happens. And at the same time, the surface is barely scratched with some of these people. Did you know that Tigress was related to Coriolis Snow? Because I didn't. I didn't know they were cousins. And something happened, but we don't know what it was. Yeah, we... Yeah, Tigress is a main like form of support for Snow. They're best friends, childhood friends, go way back. She is. It's implied that she had to like sell her body mm-hmm. for food during the hard times, and it makes them like it makes him cringe to think of her having to do that. They are they are confidants, soulmates. The story the the she just gets forgotten about. Yeah, she's. Uh, like the, one of the main characters in part one of three, because this is divided into three parts again, and then basically a non-entity in the rest of it. Yeah, 
Yeah. And it's wild, which I know that she has said that there's not another, like, she's not going to come back to the Hunger Games with a novel unless she feels the need to. But you are left just assuming, okay, I guess, then I guess she just was unhappy with what happened to Snow in the intervening 70 years because yeah. we never, it, it may as well have been a different character. Yeah. I don't know there's why. There's no it is reason for it to have been Tigress. No. Like, yeah. remember this guy? Well, she's different now. Uh, it's well, about she's it. certainly being. She certainly wasn't eighty in her eighties. Right. That. T- I mean, movie. this is a like. I don't. I don't really understand how the math works, even with Snow's age. But you know, well. Uh, right. But I assume that like they have. Well, I guess in the book, he's supposed to have so much cosmetic surgery yeah. that he looks like a like a like a like a, a uncanny valley person. Yeah, but, and he. I mean, like I'm sure there are ways to prolong life because they live in the capital. And there's a. It's. It's fine. It doesn't matter. Eyes on the prize here. What's going on in this book? Everything. <laughs> Everything's happening uh, in this book. Uh, mostly some Hunger Games. There is Hunger Games. Uh, these are your barest boned Hunger Games, which is kind of interesting. Like this is this makes sense how this was the original Hunger Games. Like basically, they just took all the tributes, they starve them for a week, they throw them into a pit, give them a bunch of weapons, and the Hunger Games seems to have originally just lasted a couple of hours. Yeah. Because they would, they would just, they would all be starving. They would all be, a bit, like, it was, they were, they were loaded up on cattle cars, treated basically like the Nazis did, uh, thrown into a, a an arena, like an actual broken down coliseum, and they died within a matter of hours because they were all so weak anyway. Yeah. And it seems extraordinarily boring to watch in a way. Yeah, that, no one wants to watch it. Yeah, so because uh, uh, one of Snow's other brilliant ideas is to make this more of like an event, something that is actually interesting to watch on TV. And that ties in with the betting. It ties in with rooting for specific people. Uh, the mentors are not people who have won the Hunger Games. Oh, no, they're children. The mentors are just children. <laughs> Yeah, they, 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 it's part of an experiment. They're like, yeah. we're going to see what happens if we have mentors this year and we're going to select them from kids in the capital and you're going to pair up with one of the Hunger Gamers. And everyone's <laughs> Hunger just like, Gamers. They're like, I hope I get someone from a, like a good district because this is like all about status and making it into a good school. And Snow has no money, so he's relying. Also, the headmaster at his school hates him. We don't know why. It's a very professor snape relationship it is and we find out why eventually and it is kind of a good reason but it's also a very funny reason to me like yeah. i think it's like laughable the conclusion of this uh and then there is the mad scientist viola davis uh who i can't remember her actual yeah i don't name. remember gonna... what her name is she's a she's bad she's a very bad person she carries around mutts like as pets yeah uh, she makes uh, really pretty snakes. Those snakes sound very cool, by the way. Uh, yeah, she is. She, I'm trying to find her name because she's because she's all throughout this book. Um, let's see: Sejanus Plinth, <laughs> Arachne Crane, Clemencia. Incredible oh, names her- again, by the way. Like I feel like a lot of this was an excuse for Suzanne Collins to come up with a lot of capital names. So one of the teachers, Viola Davis's character, she's she is known as the head game maker, mm-hmm. and her name is Volumnia Gall. Volumnia Gall. Doctor Gall. Doctor Gall, who is a mad scientist, uh, poisons one of Coriolanus's friends, 
uh, with evil snakes and makes her uh, a swollen snake. Yeah, makes her kind while. of a snake person, but not quite. Not entirely yeah. a snake person. Yeah, you you think that's going to go somewhere, but it doesn't. It would be great if it did. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Coriolanus, I hate mm. saying his name so much. Is a... I hate saying Corio even more. Though. I don't know which I hate more yet. I, I kind of default to Snow. Uh, is granted Lucy Greybeard his tribute right she is the tribute from district 12 she claims to not be from district 12 she simply lives there she is a member Mm -hmm. of a group called the covey these are uh romani people right right yeah yeah Uh, travel yeah troubadours they travel they used to travel between districts until that got like i guess like i guess it used to be easier to go from district to district but then the the peacekeepers just sort of tamped down on that so they just got trapped in district 12 but yeah they are they are essentially romani they are they are patrick rothfuss name of the wind-esque characters they are all singers and jugglers and tumblers and it's like uh it's like uh what's the uh, fellini uh not fellini um uh what's his face uh what's the say i'm Playing chess with death. What's I don't know what uh, you're talking about. <laughs> Swedish film, not uh, uh, Ingmar Bergman. A knight fight faces off against death against across a chess board. Seventh know. seal, the seventh, the seventh sign, the seventh seal, the seventh. I'm confusing it with a with a with a movie from the 1980s starring what's her face, uh, 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 Demi Moore. Of course you are. <laughs> Really kind case, of like a, that, that has a that has a group of traveling players yeah it's like, a little of, bit of a, the also a lot of uh post-apocalyptic stories have one of these you've got your uh yes. in why the last man there's like a traveling shakespeare troop station it's station uh, 11 this station is the, 11, which is always yeah. going to be the first one i think of because it's my favorite book a uh, very similar situation got some cool tattoos in that one in this one they just have name they're just named after colors that's their cool thing they are named after colors and folk songs yes i assume they all look like the ensemble in hades town they all <laughs> they are this is this is the and, ensemble in and hades. you know what i kind of i don't hate this concept i think it's fun i think it's fun that she's kind of like an outlander like she is not of uh, District 12, like anyone we actually meet when we get to District 12, because spoiler alert, the last third of this book fully takes place in District 12. Uh, they are, they are, a, they are the types of characters who, in the ne- in the intervening 64 years, I assume are just done away with. Yeah, like, I think they, I think they die out. In part, I think they slip away from District 12, but that would mean they have no uh, shelter at all. Well, there's rumors of people who live outside the districts yes. up north, which I assume is like Canada. I assume if you if you cross the border. Oh, this is also the first time we ever hear reference to the United States of America. Right. Uh, Coriolanus is like, yeah, this or someone, Lucy or Coriolanus is like, this place used to be the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, wow, that, it was weird. It was like it was like if someone in Star Wars was like, I'm going to Jamba Juice. You'd be like, oh, God, what? <laughs> That's on Ferrex. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching andor right now oh i love andor it's very good <laughs> andy circus was in it he's very good he's in it. so good yeah he, he had one line reading in the last episode that i literally said yeah loud after it <laughs> anyway bread and circuses pan m bread and games. bread and circuses correct yes uh so yeah lucy uh becomes his yeah. tribute at first he is devastated when this is announced but where they are all watching the like the reapings uh he uh sees her sing a little song a little ditty mm-hmm. uh she also throws a snake at a girl 
No, she puts the snake down a girl's back. The daughter of the mayor of her town. Yeah, the, this this girl's no good. Uh, Lucy really gives her her comeuppance. She sings a song. Uh, this is also when Coriolanus finds out like the peacekeepers are kind of cool with this girl. Yeah, we'll understand why better later. But she does seem she seems neat. She introduces herself. She does a little concert. He realizes he might have something here. Yes. Yeah, so she's the first tribute to ever like sort of wow the crowd right uh which which plants seeds like maybe if the tributes all had talents maybe <laughs> in the future sometime uh and everybody else uh the only thing they're really going off is like the strength level so like there's a guy from district 11 who's enormous uh yeah the the kids from finnick town usa uh, are really good with uh with water weapons like that sort of thing we have a we have a proto bedian virus we uh, sure we do and i really enjoy them uh also we find out that rabies is a pretty bad concern in this part of in this time in the world yeah so that comes into play later it only does <laughs> once but when it does it is horrifying it is uh yeah. It's not oh, great. Yeah. We should mention up top that it's not even up top anymore, but we should mention uh, that this is probably the most violent book of the series. Just I think so. In the brutality of the of the world, like the whole world <laughs> is brutal at this point. I mean, the world's brutal in the other books, but there's just some it's visceral in this book in, in different ways. I think what's different to me is that it is relentless here in a way that yeah. I can only remember a few instances in the prior books where like I actually really remember something being brutal, but here it keeps going to the point where you're somewhat desensitized by the end, which is part of the point. We're supposed you know, but yeah, because the capital is still dead set on punishing the districts. So like when a child dies and and many die before the Hunger Games even begin. My phone is ringing. Go away. Um, <laughs> many die before the Hunger Games begin, and then the 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 district will strap the tie the corpses to the backs of cars and like drive them to the streets or hang their bodies up in the arena uh, to to sort of taunt the other players. Like there's no hovercrafts coming and gently lifting the bodies away with oh, no. giant claws. No, they they yeah. leave. There is a late in the games, not even late in the games. One of the people uh, like makes a basically like a funeral pyre without uh, without fire of the dead tributes, like just lays them all out together. It's very grotesque. So Snow helps out Lucy Gray by he 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 gets he slips her some poison so that she can maybe have an advantage. He they have like the little interviews beforehand, but it's just a bunch of tired, starving children and. Lucy Gray manages to kind of pull a Katniss by wearing a nice dress and singing a song. They love uh, when she sings a song. Uh, but this is our first hint that Coriolanus might not be uh, prime dating material because <laughs> she sings a song about just a guy and he's like, why is she singing a song about a boy? She should be singing a song about me. And this stays his like one of his personality traits through the rest of like the merest hint that Lucy Gray has any kind of past is uh not part of his vision of what a, a perfect girl is no and he develops a crush on her but it's he doesn't view her as anything more than property as he said before and he mostly just has this idea of her right this is the first yes. time he's ever he says this is the first time he's ever felt anything for any like in this regard right and they kiss uh it seems fine 
seems great for both of them. Uh, I could never suss out in the beginning if she was manipulating him or not, but she seemed her intentions seemed pure enough at this point. Yeah, by the end of the book, I'm not sure if she's pulling a a an ex machina on him or not. Like you're right. I don't know how much of what she's doing is I can use this guy. She seems genuine enough, but she also seems smart enough to know to know how to play somebody i mean i'm not saying she's sneaky i'm just saying she's a survivor Mm -hmm. and these people are all survivors i mean she figures out at the end that he's no good the end of this book is terrifying it's Uh, rough it's really rough he he breaks from reality in such a way that he he becomes he becomes a, 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 a abusive uh partner is it without having the other part like if she had been there it would have gone terrible it's it's terrible in any case That's a, it's, uh, it's, it's Janus. actual villain origin story is the last little bit uh for because during this part he is okay it's important to talk about how Sejanus is the most guileless boy in the history of boys uh we it's also important to point out that at no point are they referred to as the anus brothers <laughs> but they should have been i hate saying both their names as i said but uh yeah, Plinth, that is last name. Sejanus Plinth, yes. So he is uh, he has daddy issues uh and so does uh so does Coriolanus and they should bond over that. But instead they bond over like Coriolanus realizing that uh, he could maybe get in on some upward mobility if he hangs out right. with this kid. So there is a there's a scene where he saves Sejanus's life, but it is uh, it is a very selfish endeavor. I don't remember exactly why it's selfish. He's told but... to. He has to do it. Yeah. Sejanus sneaks into the arena, uh, and Snow is sent in after him by Viola Davis's character, and he's like, Ugh. and then he basically is locked into the arena and isn't going to be let out until he gets Sejanus out. So like he keeps accidentally being a hero to this boy. Yeah. He also keeps accidentally thinking of ideas for the Hunger Games. Like, he's not, his intent isn't as malicious at this point. It's like, it's mostly grandstanding. It's mostly wanting to get ahead, like get a scholarship, get uh, get into yeah. whatever the next step would be of being like a, a deal maker in the capital. Yeah, and many of his Hunger Games ideas are important improvements for the sake of the tribute right because like he's trying to help out the future like he's like okay they should be fed they shouldn't be abused like i won't say it's with the best of intentions because it's there to help his own tribute but you realize these kids are brutalized in this book in ways they aren't in the in the in the original books yeah so yeah, he sneaks. Yeah, so he sneaks Lucy some poison. Po- uh, Lucy is clever enough that she does a pretty good job in the games. Anyway, uh, she wins the games. Yeah, she ends up killing a few people. Uh, the other tribute from District Twelve gets rabies. Yeah, it's awful. It's horrible, and he goes nuts. He tries to attack Lucy. Yeah. Um, and this is when people in the district or in the capital are like, "He must have brought." Because the people in the districts are seen as animals. Yeah. And yeah, they put them in like, a literal monkey house. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. They they have to sleep in, a, in an old monkey house at an abandoned zoo where he, they get bit by rabid uh, uh, raccoons at night, and people are like, "Wait a minute, we have rabies in the capital," and so it's a little bit of that. Like they're the people in the capital are don't quite realize what the world is actually like, <laughs> and they will realize less of it as the years go on. <laughs> so they become more and more isolated. Yes. Yeah. So after Lucy wins the games, 
the dean, the, who is always high, by the way. Like, I didn't yes. mention this. Like, literally. Like, he's very much like a, a morphling guy. Like, he's just kind of, mm-hmm. he's got some with him at all times. He's just re-upping his supply. We find out somewhere down the line that he and Coriolanus' dad were really good friends. Yeah. And there was a falling, falling out that out. no one will, like, no one will tell Snow why they weren't friends anymore, which is fun. Yeah, until the very end. Until the very end, which is great. Uh, but this dean is like, ah, you helped her. You, uh, you, uh, you took advantage. You, you broke the rules. You will now become a peacekeeper. Which is funny because I'm like, Coriolanus only made the Hunger Games more interesting, and there's really no rules to the Hunger Games at this point. No. Like, I don't know. How, he's so worried about breaking the rules, but I'm like, what are there? There's no. They're just throwing children into an arena to die. You find out later that he's not actually in trouble, but he's told he's in trouble. I love the this is a test and you pass portion of this book. Uh, It's pretty ridiculous. They speed through it so quickly, almost as though they knew that it was a little silly. It's pretty good. Yes. Oh, yeah. The the end of this book happens in like three pages. It does. It does. uh, So naturally, naturally, Coriolanus mm -hmm. uh, requests District 12. He's like, maybe I can reunite with my sweetheart, Lucy Gray. Wait, did you say that he's has he's forced into peacekeeper school? Yes. So he's okay. oh yeah. So he's forced into peacekeeper school. He shows an excellent aptitude for it. He's like a brilliant yeah. tactician, as we already know this from books. He he doesn't learn that he loves poison yet. Uh, he already, but he did have a brush with uh, how great poison can be in, in the prior yes. section. <laughs> how great it can be. He like the man loves poison. It's like, he does. He loves it so much he starts putting it on his lips or something later on in the book. <laughs> hey, guess what, poisoners of the world? You don't have to eat the poison you use. It was all part of his plan. Uh, so he, yeah, uh, but like he's he kind of is trying to see, make the best of the peacekeeper thing. I mean, he's making money now for his family. Like, Yeah, it's maybe my favorite part of the book. I think it's is... the best part. I think it's the tightest. I think it has actual like characters in it uh that are not just like here is another friend of his from the capital who's not actually great like it's a lot of those in the beginning yeah yeah it's uh it's yeah the capital kids are all i mean i hate to keep using this as a an example as a as a touchstone but they're all it's like it's slytherin school like it's just a bunch of a bunch of people of very to various degrees of of antagonism yeah uh bunch of sniveling uh, rich kids and there are a couple of them who are nicer than others like his friend clemencia is actually one of the the kinder ones the one who turns into a snake lady briefly there's some sweet girls in there uh some of the others like pick up the cue to start giving their tributes food sejanus is the nicest boy uh we all so you wrote to me and you were like talking about how he is too pure he is the best he is yeah, I don't a like sweet, him. Sweet child. By the way, no, he's too good. He's a, there's no complication to his character whatsoever. It's just he's very loyal to District Twelve, or I mean District Two, because that is where he's mm-hmm. from, and he will never feel capital. And this could be interesting in a more nuanced character, but it's just not. It's just him, and he also becomes a Even- peacekeeper. Yes. Well, he joins Peacekeeper School, and you also find out later on that he is sneaking around. Uh, he's part of, he sympathizes with the rebels. Yeah. And he joins the rebel underground uh, because he has a ton of money. His family's super rich. So he's, they're, they're, he's using, they're using him to get money for, and weapons. Okay. Uh, but even that doesn't make him more interesting. No. And he's, Snow does warn him off of this. 
Stout is like, hey, don't. <laughs> he does yeah. try because this is a Please bad idea. Stop. This is a if if you're in the middle of the peacekeeping thing, which by the way doesn't seem like that bad of a gig. Like, no, it's just it's military school, but it's not that hard. No, uh, and they give them copious lessons and everything. Like the kids who aren't very good with guns or combat get a lot of extra training and don't yeah. get in trouble for it. They all make enough money that they can go to these parties at the seam every Friday. Uh, yeah. yeah, it seems like the... Every Saturday. I guess... Sorry. It seems like what makes the peacekeepers such SOBs, uh, uh, ultimately, is just that they they don't have anything fun to do yeah. after all. Like, once you get sent to your district, you're just kind of bored. Yeah, and they take it... So they eventually, in history, they're going to take away the parties, right? Like, I think they take away the yeah. parties at the end of this book. But, um, but what's interesting is... I guess that makes sense. It's like our police forces in major cities have that's not military academy, that is police academy. We know how wacky that gets. No, it's it's police academy is is a school and you are taught to be a police officer and then you get assigned an area of the city and then you become a homicidal maniac apparently, <laughs> which is what happens in America. So I'm assuming that that's the parallel. She's not these aren't military people. These are they're training to become neighborhood police officers. Mm -hmm. And we see that eventually they just become fascist arms of a fascist government the way uh, police tend yeah, to be. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, it's all fun and games on the weekends, but also they have to facilitate hangings. Uh, yeah. Coriolanus has to get used to being like on the sidelines of these hangings, uh, helping push back the crowd. Uh, mm -hmm. Sejanus... So, so his participation in the rebellion leads to his hanging, but it's actually because Coriolanus submits evidence that he is passing secrets. Right. Uh, he records him with, oh. I bet I didn't know this, uh, Jabberjays oh. have an on and off switch, which is interesting. Yeah, isn't that weird? I actually really, like, I like how much, and the Mockingjay parallel is so, like, hit you over the head over and over again, because he hates Mockingjays. Oh. Like, this oh, really? Does, does Coriolanus he know hate Mockingjays? Mockingjays. He hates them so much, and it's, it's kind of... It's to the point where it's almost comical, where the number of times it's cited that he hates these things. And, like, he has a friend who's, like, a Mockingjay whisperer, basically, who's really good at rounding up Mockingjays, and he resents yeah. this. He resents how well that kid treats them. Now, it doesn't help that the Mockingjays live in the trees at the old hanging tree. The old hanging tree, because uh, we get the hanging tree song, in addition to actual hanging occurring off the tree. And the mocking jays and the jabber jays live in the woods behind the hanging tree. And so when someone dies, their last words get like screamed to the heavens. Uh, and when Sejanus dies, he screams for his mother. And then all the jabber jays just scream in his voice. Yeah, it's real bad. It's horrifying. It's real um, bad. So I can understand not being a fan, but he's not a fan of the mocking jays specifically. Yeah. Like they just sing songs. They sing songs. Uh, Speaking of songs, we do also get the lullaby that Katniss sings, the real lullaby at a different point. Um, there's fan theory is that Katniss is related to Lucy Graybeard. I think that's a pretty, I mean, there, there's no reason for her not to be. <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah. I didn't think she was related to Lucy Graybeard. Well, I thought, okay, can I give you my, not my fan theory, but my predictions that didn't come true? Yeah, please do. Before we get to like how this book ends. Yeah. 
my we also haven't covered like his relationship with Lucy Graybeard in the district, but we'll get to that. My predictions of what was going to happen in this book were I thought because this book is not told in first person, it's told in third person. <laughs> so I was like, well, that's a choice. Why is Snow not narrating this book? Why did Suzanne Collins choose to have him be in third person? I honest to God thought she was setting up that Coriolanus Snow was going to die by the end of this book and that Sejanus was going to actually be who we think is Coriolanus Snow. I don't know really why I thought that, but I thought Sejanus was too good of a person and that something was going to happen to trigger him becoming a like a, a bad person or like who who like a fascist leader and that he was going to have learned this from the real Snow. Totally off guard, off point of that. I also thought that Lucy Graybeard was going... To- I honestly thought she was going to end up being Greasy Say. I would have been so happy about that. I kind of had this the Sejanus thought because he seemed like a, a character that could have had more nuance if we uh-huh. really went in deep. And he also had such sympathy for 12 in a very different way. Because Carl Lannis's sympathy for 12 is so directly connected to him having feelings for girl. Yeah, he does like girl. Uh, he likes girl so much that he becomes like a part of the... A part, he like... In in full peacekeeper like trainee regalia, he shows up at their house in the district and sits around while they sing sing folk songs. Yeah, and meets meets Lucy Graybeard's evil ex boyfriend, <laughs> the most Hades Town character of all. This boy, yeah, this boy yeah. is like he's sort of part of the. He's not. He he's just a bad boy. Yeah, just he's, a bad. Yeah, he's a he is a he would have a leather jacket and a da hairstyle if he could. Yes. Uh, because he's also, he was cheating on Lucy Graybeard with the, with the mayor's daughter. Yeah. Who's also an evil little spitfire from out of like a Rogers and Hammerstein musical. Oh, don't worry. She's going to get shot. Yeah. Don't worry. She's going to get shot right through the face by Coriolanus Snow. <laughs> he As murders like, some also, people. The evil ex-boyfriend, yeah. Uh, because Coriolanus Snow walks in on a, finds a meeting between Sejanus and the rebels, who the evil ex-boyfriend is a part of, like supplying weapons, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he, uh, the, the, the daughter of the mayor shows up and is going to rat him out, so Coriolanus shoots both of them. Uh, there's an investigation, and that's when Coriolanus records uh, Sejanus' confession on a Jabber J and sends it back to the the capital where Sejanus ends up getting hung and screams for his mother. At the, like it's a, there are so many books in this book. You you ever wonder the origins of all the songs from the Hunger Games? Well, you sure do learn that Lucy Graybeard wrote them. Yeah, she wrote all of them. And yeah, end of the day, uh, Coriolanus and Lucy Gray decide that they're going to run away together. Yes, this is around the time he snaps. Well, because he believes that he is about to be caught out because he knows it's only a matter of time before the weapons that were used to kill the people are traced back to him. Uh, So he's going to run away. She's going to run away. They have a plan. They're going to escape. At the very last minute, he gets told that he's actually being sent to, like, Rich Boy Academy, Fancy Boy Training School. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, because he has been testing to see if he can be next level peacekeeper, like a leadership guy, basically. Yeah, and, officer school. And he's so good at tests. Coriolanus is so good at tests that he was, yeah, yeah. He, he finds this out. And now, so now he's facing the digital, do I go to officer school or do I run away with girl? Um, That's when he goes crazy, right? Well, they go, they run away together. He's like, all mm-hmm. right, I'll go. They find a cabin in the woods where the, where the, the troubadours sometimes hang out. Okay. And 
that's where all of the weapons have been stashed. This is also She's definitely like, a cabin uh, that the two people from 13 are hanging out in. Uh, she pulls right. out a knife and is like, I'm going to go cut some Katniss <laughs> in the woods. I'm going to go find some Katniss. <laughs> Don't wait up for me. I'll be ever <laughs> And She runs off. And yeah, he starts having a mental breakdown where... It's done really well. Like, Oh, I think this part is written really well in as much as it's super unnerving. <laughs> Don't he starts, enjoy it. <laughs> he starts talking himself into her betraying him. Yes. Although, even though all she's done is headed off to find some some Katniss. But he also starts hallucinating. Doesn't Something happens where he, he starts hallucinating, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that, but it's sort of unclear what's happening here yeah uh because he 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 has this full paranoid breakdown where yes he thinks she's then he thinks she's gonna kill him so he grabs a gun and goes hunting her in the woods like she has no idea like what's going on mm-hmm. uh, unless she does because mm-hmm. he doesn't really ever give himself away in this aside from being crazy but he never finds her and he is chasing right. after her at this point with a rifle. Yeah. Because he's convinced um, himself that she's betrayed him. And as far as we know, he never sees her again after this. He never sees her again. Yeah. He actually thinks he shoots her at one point, but then he doesn't think he yeah, shot her. Like, yeah. It's, it's a nightmare sequence. Uh, yeah. It's the best. I think the best writing in the book. I would agree. Is this whole, I would agree. Yeah. It's, it's super freaky. It's super scary. And he becomes not an out of control monster, but it's like all the paranoia and all the jealousy that he had already throughout the book just kind of comes to a comes to a head mm-hmm. like it's that thing where some guy gets mad at his girlfriend because she's keeping him from achieving his full potential <laughs> and then he like lashes out at her it's really that it like because she's never been anything but sweet to him <laughs> and nice to him and like sung songs to him and yeah he's a he's a he's a little piss boy by the he end he is a little piss boy by the end and the his little piss boy behavior is rewarded uh huh he uh, he goes back to the capital as as we said. This is a test, and you passed. And now you're yeah. going to help facilitate the Hunger Games. Yep. And you know what part of the facilitating the Hunger Games will be? It will be finding out that your father invented the Hunger Games. And everyone reading the book goes, "Ah." <laughs> this is the thing where we're getting an explanation for something we didn't really need an explanation for, but it's like, sure, yeah, legacy. It's presented as if we were like, finally, we know who invented the hunt, but we never really wondered any. Like, it's really a weird, like, revel- like, if you're wondering why your father and I are such enemies, it's because we were drunk one night as students, <laughs> and I came up with the idea for the Hunger Games as a joke. The next day, he presented it as his own idea. <sighs> well, you find out that, like, the guy was, like, is is drunk and high all the time. His name is, by the way, is, like, High Bottom. Yeah, or high, Dean High Bottom. Because they call him High as a Kite Bottom. The reason he's drunk and high all the time is because he only, he never intended the Hunger Games to be a real thing. It was, like, a, a thought exercise. Uh-huh. And he's like, no one would ever go for it. It's merciless and cruel and hateful and horrible, and no one would ever put up with this. And now he just lives... Because he, secret- he knows... That is really his fault. I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to be Peter Dinklage, by the way. That is Peter Dinklage's character. Good casting. Yes. Yeah. That particular, because yeah. it is a very Tyrion Lannister character. Is he going to do a terrible British accent? I hope he has blonde hair and then not blonde hair. 
<laughs> I have really high so hopes for this. We really c- can't emphasize enough, though, how much Doctor Gall is a part of this whole she is, thing. She is one of the main characters. Um, initially, when she pops in, it feels like she's maybe just going to be at the fringes of the book. She ends up. Uh, she is trying to mentor Snow without him noticing. Yeah, she's asking him to write these weird essays about how yeah, important the Hunger Games. <laughs> Yeah, this was a test and you passed it, as you said. Yeah. Um, oh, and- yeah. And then Coriolanus kills Dean Highbottom by slipping poison into into his into his drugs. Yes. Yeah. He. No, no, this is this book is sowing the seeds for his uh, his his only one true love poisoning people. It's not okay. You keep saying things like this is hinting at or this sows the seeds of no. It sows and then reaps the seeds right in front of you. <laughs> It's like here. Oh, we're planting some ideas about him being a poisoner. Now you're seeing him poison. No, no, he's now a you're seeing him appreciate the effects of his poison. This is a. It's kind of a kind of a 1984 ending. It's kind of a he loved Big Brother because it seems like he's fine with everything at the end. It's weird. So yeah, it's a real downer ending. Um, you find. I mean, you find out that he ends up being adopted basically by Sejanus's family, who never find out it was. Okay, his yeah. How does that not kid. make him feel terrible? And that's the thing is like that's why I'm like this isn't a this isn't a book about how this formerly good kid became a bad kid this is a book about a bad person who just had the like i think i'm a good person the whole time but i'm act no i'm actually i'm actually just a bad like i'm a lot more comfortable when i'm just being yeah. a bad person fully when I tried to be good it was, it was yes. awkward yeah i uh, got lucy graybear like we never find out what happens to Lucy Greybeard. I believe she became Greasy Say. That's my headcanon until I've proven otherwise. I have no issue with that. <laughs> Greasy Greybeard. I think it's because at one point in the beginning of the book, when she gets off the train at the very beginning, they say that she looks greasy. And I was like, oh, is this an Easter egg? Is she going to be greasy? Like, is that why they call her greasy? Because she's just naturally greasy, like the whole book? <sighs> uh, can we talk for a second about... Uh, hold on, I have to find his name again. Can we talk for a second about Tony Award-winning actor Santino Fontana, who won the Tony Award for for Broadway's Tootsie? Okay. Uh, a few years back. Wait, he does he read in. this book? Santino Fontana reads the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, and I was like, hot dang, this guy's super talented. Yep. He's also a good singer. He is. So. He's going to be able to pull off these songs. He's Prince Hans from Frozen. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. He's in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. He was in Sunday in the Park with George on Broadway. I mean, come on. Not only does he not sing a single one of these songs, he speaks them as awkwardly as you can speak song lyrics. <laughs> it sounds like when a guy is like, I wrote you a song, but I'm just going to sing it. To- I'm going to speak it to you. And he does teen girl voices oh, no. for all the girl characters. This is a kind of hard to listen to book on Santino Fontana's part. Uh, he even does teen boy voice a few times. Yeah, some I guys kind of talk voice. like this. So bad always. That's a, and, it's a bummer. I saw him in Tootsie. He's good. I, yeah, Tony Award winning role. He was good. Tony Award winning. Show was, he, he, book was weak. Uh, show was fun. That, that, that musical blew us all away and stands with us to this day. It changed. Right, changed yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a very cookie cutter musical. He was a better man to be a woman. It's a very cookie cutter musical, but he did a performance that was good. <laughs> Isn't it wild that of, of Tootsie, 
Mrs. Doubtfire, and Some Like It Hot. Of those three, it's a guy in a dress musicals. And we were like, isn't, aren't we past this? That it was actually Some Like It Hot that became, actually ended up being like the most like progressive of all of those. That was like, no, we're actually, we've got a better take on the concept of man in It actually doesn't surprise me that much because I think Some Like It Hot, the source material is shockingly progressive for 1959. And that, like, Mrs. Doubtfire is shockingly regressive uh, for the 1990s. Yeah. Like, uh, it's about how it doesn't matter how bad a father you are. If you're wacky enough, <laughs> you should be allowed to see your kids more. And that's how it ends. It's great. Yeah. yeah. We all love it. Uh, and, Tootsie, and Tootsie is about, isn't it hard to be a white guy in Hollywood? <laughs> Tootsie, uh, the Broadway one, has some pretty uh, good little weak, uh, I don't know, like, it, it, it tries to be woke a couple of times. It's not it's not the worst thing in the world, but uh, I'm sorry that it wasn't Tatiana Maslany this time. I was so disappointed. I was just like, well, I guess, you know, like, she she's still riding that rocket to the, to, to the top with Marvel money. So she probably was like, I don't need to do the Ballad of Songbird and Snake. I'm I'm a Hulk now. She wasn't a Hulk yet. She, I'm sure she had signed she the had contract She had been conscripted to be a Hulk. 2020? Oh, yeah. She was already doing some mocap work. I'm sure she point. was. Well, we've come to the end because my computer is going to die soon. But we've also uh, just come to the end. Yeah, well, Ballad of Songbird and Snake uh, was received okay. <laughs> um, some people liked it. Some people said the storytelling itself tends... Trends desperate at times. Chapters close on violent cliffhangers that edge into parody. There are too many folk music interludes mm-hmm. and some ludicrous franchise callbacks, uh, but it still gives you a lot to chew on, seems to be what people... Uh, I, did, I, I, I agree with literally all of that, particularly the last part, because I couldn't stop thinking about this book. Um, yeah. Really in the way. I, I, I mean, Suzanne Collins is definitely a smart person, and... Mm-hmm. I mean, the big the big philosophical point that that Viola Davis's character keeps trying to make is that we are all brutal animals underneath. And if you take away all of our rules, uh, you will you'll people will be reduced to animals. And the Hunger Games are proof of that, even though five seconds of thinking is like you're not taking away society at all. You're actually inflicting bizarre limits and rules onto people and saying you have to kill each other. Like, of course, people are going to become animals. You are starving them and throwing them into a pit and forcing them to kill each other i mean obviously we're not supposed to side with her <laughs> um if i would does it surprise you to learn that the songs from the novel and spurred several original covers on youtube i'm shocked but again i didn't hear anything about this book after it came no. out and i think this this year because of the movie because it's uh like a, because everything comes back eventually people are very focused on the hunger games again it's 10 years since the first film <laughs> Uh, it is where they're making a, they're making the new one. It's coming out in November. You and I will see it. Probably not together, but we will see no, it. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do our best. <laughs> Collins was she was finishing up her first draft when she wrote to uh, Lawrence, what's his face, the director, <laughs> and she drops him a line. He's working on uh, that little Nemo movie that nobody saw uh, that came yep. on Netflix and disappeared. Slumberland. Uh, he was working on that and she was like, I'm writing a new Hunger Games book. And he was like, well, nobody told me. <laughs> and he read it and was like, let's make this movie. I have no idea how they're going to make this into a movie without it being a million years long. 
but I am looking forward to uh, Rachel Ziegler. I'm looking forward to uh, the guy who played Chino in West Side Story playing Sejanus, which is perfect casting because he's a sad, nice boy in West Side Story. <laughs> he's a sad, nice boy in Songbird and Snake. And Hunter Schaefer as Tigress. Uh, She's on Euphoria, uh, correct? Euphoria, trans actress. Oh, interesting. Uh, playing Tigress. So I'm wondering if they're going to play up Tigress's like, uh, self-identity. Like, that's a big part of how people are in the capital. Like, choosing how they identify, choosing who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's interesting casting. Uh, Hunter Schaefer is very adamant that all of her roles are like political basically yeah. like so i am i'm curious as to what they're going to do with that i hope they do something with the character so more than any we were sort of saying au revoir to the, to the yeah. hunger games but, but i think for now today oh uh piece of test pod on the internet that's us mm-hmm. that's where we are i think for today we should probably say good say goodbye to sejanus are we gonna it's it's sejanus sejanus let's let's be let's be respectful of sejanus yes put some put some put some anus on that name <laughs> i hate it oh uh, uh uh goodbye where can you find us oh i just have the pizza toast pod on twitter on twitter pizza toast podcast on facebook um pizza toast pod at gmail.com uh your p cory gonzalez on twitter i'm not on yeah. twitter i'm on letterboxd nope. you can find me you are yeah uh, and and we're not coming back, of course, with the movie next time. We are coming back, though, with another book that we know. Yeah, we definitely time. know what it is. Why don't you announce it? Because the movie is coming out in a couple of weeks and we got to be ready. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we're doing Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Blume. Are You There, God? It's Me, Mar- A big step sideways from The <laughs> Hunger Games. A classic in its own right. Yes. Yeah, so so will we increase our busts? You'll have to find that's out what, when uh, you listen slow? to the next episode. <laughs> All right. I... Uh, <laughs> That being said, good goodbye, Sejanus. Goodbye, Sejanus. <laughs>